Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, and uh, we look at the Australian film industry, or bits and pieces of it, and uh, you're on 3CR. And if you are not in the cone of silence that goes with uh, the Melbourne International Film Festival, not cone of silence, but a cone, a, a sort of a... Uh, an inner sanctum of filmdom and uh, you aren't part of it but uh, there is awful lot of great stuff going on at the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival. You might be interested in a few other things that are going on around you and one of them is the uh, on uh, one of the ubiquitous uh, TV channel type things, paid TV stuff, is this extraordinary Australian serial that is has just been uh, started, released. It's on Foxtel, and uh, that's the probably the extent of uh, the uh, advertising that I'm going to do. But it's sort of impossible not to advertise because, in actual fact. They are the people who put money into and uh, the, created the distribution deal for this particular series, uh, it, which allowed it to actually be produced. It's called Lambs of God, and it is based on a book. It's extraordinary. I've seen uh, the uh, first two episodes of it. I haven't seen the rest of it, but it is worth uh, a listen to the Q&A that uh, went with the screening of the uh, first two episodes. And if you're enthralled, you might want to actually get on board and l- watch the rest of it. But it's a very big, uh, pricey Australian serial uh, shot here and uh, the uh, you know key creatives are all Australian. It's, it's a pretty extraordinary piece of uh, work, I'll have to say. So let's have a listen. Please welcome to the stage Sarah Lambert and Sam Reid. Uh, Sam, I want to say, first of all, it's fantastic to see you uh, upright and mobile. <laughs> was, it, was it a very um, uh, emotionally demanding performance? Um, uh, it's a difficult question because obviously it was so much fun to do, so we're <laughs> <laughs> having a great time doing it. But yeah, we um, blew my voice out a few times and um, had some real bruises and cuts and things um, that were left over and um, less time. In, sorry, less time in the makeup chair. Yeah. Mm. 
Sarah, it's a, a very well-written show. Uh, could you start by uh, just sort of taking us back to the beginning and explaining how this production came into existence? So, about almost three years ago now, um, Lingo uh, got given the book to read. So Lingo was Jason Stevens and um, uh, Helen Bowden. They were given the book um, Lambs of God by Morel Day and um, it had once been optioned many, many years ago by Winona Ryder. So she tried to make it with um, Susan Sarandon and it was going to be a very big Hollywood movie many, many years ago. And um, a whole bunch of things happened in Winona's career and things kind of fell over, which I'm sure you're all aware of. And um, it kind of basically never got up. And so it came back, suddenly the rights were available again. And uh, they gave it to me to read and said, what do you think? Is this possible to turn into a, a, a full part or you know, a television series? And it's a really weird book. Like it's wonderful and it's got such amazing characters, but it was so, it goes into all this different territory and there's like, there's probably about 27 fairy tales. And I was thinking, how the hell do you do this? But at the same time, I went to the meeting to kind of say all the reasons why you couldn't do it. Um, in the middle of the meeting, I realized that I thought this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to try and actually make something, you know, really, really different. Um, so I went to the meeting to say no and then ended up saying yes. Um, and we got 30 days um, from the people who we got the option from to be able to actually shop it. They were, because we were Australian and we were small, they said, you know, you only get 30 days and if somebody doesn't pick it up in 30 days, then the option goes back to Hollywood. Um, so we only had 30 days and we um, went, We only knew that there would be one broadcaster in Australia who would do it, which would be Foxtel. Um, so they went to Foxtel and Pennywin read it and sort of knew what we wanted to do and they said yes. And so we, we started on this sort of journey. Um, and then it was just basically Morel gave me the rights to sort of do whatever I wanted to do with the book, which was very generous of her. And then it was really... What you see in the, the series is quite a departure from the book because basically what we could, there is no, um, you never leave the island in the book if you've read it. It's, it's just a three hand, it's a four hander basically, they never leave the island ever. Um, and so we really wanted to expand on that world and bring in the kind of Catholic Church and Ignatius' sister or all creations that we kind of expanded on that world. Um, and then also really changed, pushed the ending um, and many other things sort of made the fairy tales always about the characters in the story. The fairy tales just sort of exist separately in the book, and so we really decided that we would make them part of the kind of the stories of our characters, the narratives of our characters that we all sort of tell. And so, um, yeah, and then we got everybody on board. From then on, it sort of it snowballed. It was it's one of those you know you you can start on projects and they take forever to get made, and this just had this weird life where it just you know amazing people came on and it, it sort of took off so we were incredibly blessed a gold reference there <laughs> what was your first reactions when you read the script Sam? um i mean i i've never read anything like it before ever or encountered a role like ignatius ever so i mean i was on an airplane and i was you know screaming and laughing and and I only had the first episode, so as soon as I got off that airplane, I was like, to my agent, I want to read the next one, and who do I have to kill to play that part? <laughs> yeah, I've never read anything like it, and still when I see it, you know, and I know little things change, but still when I see it, that is what the script 
was. And it's so rare that you do a project where the script is so accurately translated. And it's just occurred to Sarah really like that it was such an extraordinary and precise script that everyone wanted to you know respect and, and um, uphold the whole way through to when you watch it. That that is the script. You know. You mentioned the, the fairy tale element before, Sarah. I just I loved those scenes where it's just like these morphed and mutated versions of the fairy tales. You mentioned adapting them. Could you expand a little bit on those scenes in particular? Look, I, I felt like the, the fairy tales were always really interesting, and I think what she did with it, there were these sort of wild, revisionist sort of fairy tales. Um, we went slightly darker with them, I think, um, in the end, but they weren't connected to the characters, and so I felt that they, that every character needed their own fairy tale, the story that you tell of your life. And it's, I mean, we, we shaped the whole thing as a gothic fairy tale, so we really shaped it as a big gothic fairy tale. And when you watch to the end, it really goes in a very different direction. So um, you think you've seen um, some twists and turns, you really get some different twists to this story. But ultimately, what I wanted to do is kind of really look at the psych you know the psychology of each of those characters and the stories of which they came from and kind of adapt each fairy tale to that particular character um, and so we really played with that and it's sort of the story that you want to be true you know and over time you realize what is true and what isn't about those fairy tales that you see um, and that they'd be yeah that we kind of bring them to life there's a line in the book that I always really loved which is on the island time sort of ceased to exist, that the past, the present, and the future all existed in the same place. And we kind of really expanded on that kind of concept in the in the show. So that, you know, sheep can be nuns and nuns can be sheep and all that sort of stuff. That we kind of played with that concept. The, the show looks really amazing. Um, it's just, you've got the, the, I assume the drone shots at the start and the wonderful island, this rocky place. Um, Sam, can you just talk us through, I, I don't know where everything was shot, so w was there a mixture of sound stages and actual locations? So all the interiors were shot in Fox Studio, and um, the show is designed by the extraordinary Chris Kennedy, and shot by Don McAlpine. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so all of this, and it's quite an incredible feat that um, Chris designed this sort of um, set, this big set indoors or in the um, the big studio in Fox Studios um, that could be reused in different ways and redressed to look like all of the rooms um, inside the monastery. And then the island itself is Tasmania. It's Tasmania, Tasman yeah. so it's on the, the bottom. And um, some of it we shot in Kayama. Yeah, we shot Kayama, we shot uh, Tasman Island, we shot um, Mount Wilson, um, where they actually shot Gatsby. We took over that that garden and we rebuilt some parts of the monastery there. So to um, so all of that garden is actually put in by us. So all of that stuff is there, and the um, they sort of built parts of the ruins there so that we'd always have a reference point of of where we were. Um, so we shot up there, and in the end, we also ended up going to Ireland. Um, to shoot some of the um, <laughs> the town stuff because the light was never right when we were in the edits. We felt that the town stuff that we really some of the just you know trying to get a northern hemisphere light. Um, everyone in the end felt that we needed to sort of um, we were spending so much time correcting skies and stuff. We went and actually shot some extra stuff in Ireland. It was massive. <laughs> 
Um, Sam mentioned Dominic Helpine. For those who don't know who Dominic Helpine is, uh, veteran cinematographer, it's about 80, mid-80s now, um, he shot Breaker Morant, uh, Getting of Wisdom, shot the original Predator with um, Schwarzenegger, uh, you know, a, a real legend, Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann stuff as well, yeah, Moulin Rouge. Um, was it an uplifting experience, Sam, to be around that much sort of talent? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. He, his eye was incredible, and what I loved about this production was that, you know, yeah, it's television, so we, you know, you'd think that there would be a rushed sense, but I think because there were so many incredibly talented people who had just done this so many times, it felt like we had ages to shoot everything. It never felt rushed. I'm sure Sarah felt very different. <laughs> but but like, it was just an incredible experience, you know, and, and, and somebody like Don, I mean, his vision and Jeffrey Walker, who just knows exactly how to work with Don. I mean, it, you know, it's a complete blessing, and you see it, you know. And I could hear him going, "Whoa!" You know, just by a close-up on the spider, you know. And that's just his genius, really. Yeah. You know. And he also did a. He made a decision, Don, early on to shoot the entire thing. Like all the interiors were actually really lit by candles, and he got a camera. He actually uh, worked with all the camera departments and different sort of all, he got cameras designed especially so that we could shoot the way he wanted to. So a lot of the time it was just, we had so many people on candles, you know, just moving <laughs> candles in and out and like redressing them, but the whole thing, everything in that interior is actually lit by candlelight, which is just, you know, to be able to, you know, when he said he wanted to do that, we were all like, what? <laughs> like, this is television. But he, it actually worked out incredibly beautifully, and, um, and it never cost us any time. It was just such a great decision. And he felt that that was the authentic way, that this was the way it should look, and he was completely and utterly right. Sam, your performance has got a high level of intensity, and the other uh, performances also have, I think it's fair to say, a high level of intensity. <laughs> uh, can you, you know, between takes, do you just sort of do you think at a coffee, you're all like normal again? <laughs> or is there something else that kind of gets you in the mood? We were all practicing knitting most of the time. Because <laughs> obviously we had to be very proficient knitters and Dowd was quite an exceptional knitter coming into it, so she was helping us all. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the scenes are very intense. There was a lot of screaming, a lot of crying every day. Um, and, you know, nearly every scene was a bit of that going on. Um, but also there's a lot of humour in the scenes. And I think... When, when the script is funny like that, you don't usually have like a, a really joyous time on set. You're trying to like avoid the humor and try and find the, the depth of it because you can't, you can't take the piss of the scenes because it's so extreme. Like you could very easily sort of laugh at it and not make it you know, truthful. And so we had, we had drinks afterwards, but during the day we were just knitting and just trying to get through it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Sam mentioned, Sarah, that, that you, you know, he read the script and then the, the, the end result was very much like that. Is it the same for you as the writer? Was there a different sort of vision in your head at the start? No, I mean, I, I was very lucky, you know, they, you know, the way we sort of set this whole thing up, I, I was, you know, I'm a producer on it and I got to be all the way through it. So I was in every single meeting in production. So Jeffrey Walker is such a generous collaborator, you know, so he, you know, we, we cut, you know, we cast it together, we, we do everything together. So you were always in those discussions with production designers and costumes, um, and just sort of being part of those things. And so it was, it was quite wonderful to be 
allowed to sort of just stay there and kind of just be a voice at the table the whole way through. And th you know, I was on set every day, and I went all the way through post-production to the final mixes. So it was, you know, it's it, it's that sort of thing of being able to hold a production and sort of see it all the way through. That's just such a, you know, I, they do it in America all the time. That's what happens, um, but we don't do it so much here. So that was a really, it was just a wonderful experience that you could, you know, I think you get to write something, you write a script and then you shoot it and it becomes something again. And then in post-production, really, it's the third time you get to try and make a show. And so to be there through all of those processes um, was just wonderful. So I really do feel it's the closest to, you know, when you write a script, you normally hand it over and then it becomes whatever it is. But this is probably the closest to anything I've ever written that actually is up on the screen. And that's a testament to an incredible team of people, you know, Jeffrey Walker, um, Chris Kennedy, Don McAlpine, you know, Xanthi, Hugo, who did all the costumes, Joko, Stan, who's another Melbourne person, who just did amazing um, makeup. They're just such an extraordinary team, everyone at the top of their game, and just actors that, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better cast. They were just extraordinary. So, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Patient that was the most um, challenging or difficult as right? Look, I, it, it was probably the most terrible. You know, when you read, I, I mean, I, I was genuinely scared doing it, which is always a good sign because I thought it's so hard to get right. The, the, the tone of the piece was really tricky, you know, to sort of navigate because there's quite a lot of weird humor and some really, the book sort of goes off in all these directions about paganism and witchcraft and all these different things and all these levels of the church and all this sort of stuff. So I was just trying to take all the levels of it and sort of hold true to that, um, but also not lose, I loved it, I loved the women in it. I thought they were so dark and weird and wonderful and I'd never seen nuns like it and I really wanted to kind of <laughs> capture that on screen. But also that weird, there's a sort of weird dark humour in it um, that's sort of quite perverse at times that I really, really responded to. Um, and just to hold that and kind of build on that and, and pepper the whole thing that though it's dark it also has kind of a, a kind of rich vein of humour. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I wanted to try and do a fairy tale. You know, what, in, when you listen to a fairy tale around the fireplace, you know, and someone starts telling that story, it's of all the sort of dark things we don't like to look at in, in ourselves and in the world, and it allows you to go to very dark and sort of horrible places and shock and scare you, but also make you laugh. And I, that was sort of something I really wanted to try and do, you know, see if we could actually achieve that. Um, and ultimately sort of say something at the end, you know. Destroy the patriarchy, <laughs> the old stories, and invent a new story, which is really what this sort of the book goes to. Is kind of we need a new narrative um, for all of us. We need a new story that's more liberating. And uh, you're on 3CR Showreel, and we're listening to a Q and A around a series that's on uh, uh, one of the pay television stations. Um, it's uh, Foxtel, and uh, it's called Lambs of God and uh, it's uh, um, the Q and A gives an uh, interesting uh, uh, view of how such a big budget uh, Australian series, very good series, gets made. And so they're talking to one of the key actors and the writer. Why? Why nothing from Australia? They're 
Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. Too much about what happens though, will we? That feel like we're leaving these guys on a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, who's got a question for Sam or Sarah? We'll bring a microphone to you. Just make one moment. Um, it's extraordinary. Thank you. The, um, the look of it and the cinematography and everything that performs is wonderful. My question is um, Did you always have Anne Dowd in mind for Sister Marguerite? I did actually. I um, When I was writing it, I'd actually seen. I'm a huge Leftovers fan, it's one of my favourite series, and I was sort of obsessed with it. Um, so I'd always known her from that, but I'd actually seen her on stage in New York, and I, I, always, I didn't know who she was back then, but I thought she was amazing. Um, and so when I was writing Margarita, she kept coming into my head the whole time, like I kept on just seeing her, and um, she was just starting in Handmaids at that point, and so I'd seen a bit of that, and I'd suggested her, and everybody went, no, no, not Anne Dow, like, they didn't really um, pick up on that. And then she got an Emmy nomination, and everyone was like, Anne Dow's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wrote her a letter and um, asked her if she'd be enrolled, but I, I wanted somebody who, was, who, could come out, who could also, the character doesn't say a lot for a lot of the series, but it's all about what's going on in her head and how a person who could actually kind of carry that weight and do it all in a look. And I always knew that she was an actress who could do that. So she was always my pick for Margarita. Um, Sarah, I'm just interested as a writer, um, you talked about the premise of this being um, taking your own story and telling a new story. Is there a theme through the projects that you choose to work on? I realise that one of the things that keeps getting, I keep getting drawn to is people whose, I guess, characters and people in history who have had their voices silenced and the erasing of our voices. And um, I think I keep coming back to that. And I also think I have this kind of obsession with stories. I'm at a point in my career now where I only want to do things that matter, that say something big, you know, that actually kind of change the dialogue that we have. And, and I think that this ultimately is a story about, you know, that the fairy tales that we, uh, the fairy tales are fucked basically, <laughs> we've got to change them. Um, and that also the kind of dialogue, the sort of stories around that are the Catholic Church and the patriarchy are kind of imprisoning for men and women. And um, it's sort of about trying to find a new kind of, sort of looking at our stories in a truthful way, examining our past, looking at them properly, you know, like taking the light and the dark. And when you do that, when you actually truly take on the truth of, you know, who you are, what our culture says, all of these different things, then then there's this possibility of actually, if you take it on board truthfully, like if the church and, and society takes these things on truthfully, then maybe there's a way forward, you know, maybe there's a new story that we can tell. And that is a bit of a theme that I keep coming back to um, in everything, I think. So, yeah. Uh, I was just wondering what sort of time frame was like pre-production and uh, actual shooting time with the whole series? We, um, we started in, we had actually quite a long lead up, so I wrote it for about a year before anybody kind of came on board and then um, 
then we started in Korea. We went on this crazy journey looking for islands um, in sort of October, before we started shooting. So it was Don McAlpine and Chris Kennedy and Jeffrey Walker and myself and the other producers. And so we went on these uh, crazy journeys just trying to find this island, like where would this island exist? Um, and that was quite amazing, traveling around in boats and helicopters trying to find that. So that was, uh, we did about two, and a, two or three months of that. Then Chris Kennedy went away and really started designing this whole world. Um, and then we had about three and a half months of just really building. I mean, that, that's, that set was built from scratch. Um, all the stones are weathered and, you know, there were sculptors and there were, you know, hand-painted hand sculptors and everything was done. It, it was so, the amount of people who worked on this and kind of brought their, you know, all their, their skills. We had weaving people come in to teach these guys how to weave and, 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 and do all of that. So that all took about three and a half months. Um, and then we shot uh, pretty fast and we had a t terrifying schedule, but we, we knew we had to do it within to kind of get away with it, we had to do it within this particular time frame. Um, so I think we shot for 13 weeks, and you know, so it was huge. And we we shot, uh, we didn't take lunch breaks. We actually shot all the way through, and so we were, we, didn't, we just fed people constantly. It was just a crazy, crazy, crazy thing to do because we were shooting in winter, and our light would go by you know five o'clock in the afternoon. That was it, and so our days were very short. Um, and yeah, but we, we, we got to it. So what's your average day as an actor then, Sam? If you're shooting over that sort of period, do you, when do you wake up, when do you go to work, when do you go to bed? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I wake up at about 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, so that's about 5, I guess, uh, 4.50 maybe. Yeah, and then you're in the makeup chair for an hour or so, depending on the scene, you know. Um, if I don't wear the wig or not, the wig took longer towards the end. He'd been through a really rough time for the wig, so they had to work really hard to make it look still like hair. Um, I had an extraordinary makeup artist, Paul Patterson, who you know won Oscar for Braveheart, and he, you know he really looked after me, and you know he would just whip up this sort of like bloody you know wound like that, you know that um, um, stab when I get stabbed in quote. He just hand painted that. Oh. Literally in situ. I was in situ yeah. and he just ran up and hand painted it. And it's extraordinary, really, when you see when you think of that. So he, he cut a lot of time out for me in the morning, because um, he was so skilled. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a long day, there were like twelve hours sometimes. Um, we're running French lunches, so often we didn't eat. Um, or you ate like a cold bit of um, you know, steak, very nice steak. <laughs> but it was such a joy. I mean, that, that was such an extraordinary, extraordinary project. So it was difficult, but, you know, I can't complain. Yeah. I don't know if I really gave you the day-to-day, -day, <laughs> hour by hour. But, yeah. I realised they sound a little specific. Yeah, <laughs> if I can help you out there. It was a while ago, a year ago now, I can't remember. Well, I think the, the results clearly uh, speak for themselves. Uh, we're just about out of time. Uh, we've probably got one more one more question, if anyone has one more. Yep, down the front. Well, two more questions. Yep. Oh, sorry, we'll, we'll go to you in just a moment. We've just got the microphone back. I've got a question for Sam. I'd be really interested to know like, what three things help you as an actor, like ongoingly and up to this point of doing this project? Um, do, do you mean um, 
this project in specifically or like do you what, mean? Like what three things, like say um, emotionally or practically, like help you stay on top of your game as an actor? Oh, hard to narrow yeah. down to three things. Um, um, I, um, I guess you. I have to love my job. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to narrow this down to three things, but the most important thing for me is I have to love my job. And we had to go because the next show is coming at the door and it is published or not. So if you're interested in this uh, amazing series called uh, Lambs of God, then you should go to uh, Foxtel. It's, um, it costs $5 million per episode and there's five episodes and they thought that they didn't have enough to, to actually complete it. But anyway, that's pretty interesting in itself. We're going to go out with uh, Rebel Diaz. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.